Hey everybody, welcome back to Real Talk. For this episode, we did something a little different. We had a couple of interviews with a couple different pastors. First, we had Reverend Hendrik Verstag on, who spent many years in Papua New Guinea uh, doing mission work. And then after this, we had uh, another interview with uh, Reverend Bruce Parnell um, out of Stillwater, Oklahoma, our friends to the south. So uh, we hope you enjoyed these conversations. We talked about their mission work, uh, a bit of um, what they what they experienced in the different cultures and also how psalm singing and song singing, song selections affected their mission work in their different contexts. So first off, we have Reverend Hendrik Verstag. He was called by uh, the church in Toronto, um, our, our Canadian Reformed Mission Board in Toronto to uh, go to West Papua. He spent many years there, uh, came back and, and spent a lot of years in, in Chatham uh, as minister and was then sent to the other side of Papua Island to Papua New Guinea, uh, where he spent many more years. Um, there's a lot of wisdom there, and we hope you enjoy our conversation. Um, and we'll be back to you with Bruce Parnell right after that. Reverend Verstig, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, very happy to have you on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming to you in. about your, your foreign mission efforts and, and what church is like in, in Papua New Guinea. We had uh, Pastor Ian Wildor on mm-hmm. a couple of shows ago mm-hmm. and, and talked to him about some of his work there too. So we're excited to talk to you about that and and yeah, what church is like in, in Papua New Guinea. So maybe just to start off, tell our listeners um, who you are, what your background is and how you kind of got involved in, in mission work. Okay, um, yeah, when I um, finished seminary back in 1977, um, <laughs> they called me for a mission work in, in what was known then as Erie and Jaya. Right, okay. And now it's called Papua, in distinction from West Papua, so it's on the Indonesian side. Okay. And then we were called there, it was, um, went to the village of Mangalum, which was only five small houses. So it was really literally very few people there. Wow. Uh, today, there's a but um, the, the city is about town is about well, maybe about 750 people okay church mm-hmm. is about 500 people with all the surrounding areas oh. so it's very developed since that time uh we worked there um brought the gospel there very simple we met with the with the old men in the in the in the homes every evening okay and told the bible stories because that's how they in the evenings the women would go to sleep with the kids and the men would sit around the fires and oh, really? uh, would tell Bible, uh, there was our story, so they gave me an opportunity to tell my story. So I started huh. about the Bible, and right. gradually it's, it uh, developed. We started a, a school, and then we started a Sunday uh, church. And after ten years, we were actually were able to institute a church, which is really relatively quite quick. Oh, cool! And the reason why we could move move along quite quickly is because uh, up to that time, um, other missionaries were were teaching the catechism from a regular catechism book, and I realized it, it wasn't sinking in very well. It was too too deep, too mm-hmm. difficult. So I developed um, a simplified catechism book and also um, a salvation history book really? with very short question and answers, even with pictures, because a lot of our people couldn't read. So they could remember the story by looking at the pictures. When I, We would get the people together every morning from Monday till Friday. I would uh, ring the bell, which was actually an oxygen tank, <laughs> 5.30 in the morning, and they would get together with us for about three quarters of an hour. Before they would go into the jungle, before they do their hunting and gathering. Oh wow! So you had to get it early it's that in the morning. Kind of society, eh? That's right. Like it was that kind of society at that wow. time. Now it's changed quite a bit. Right. Yeah. So after about uh, four years of, of both the simplified catechism and the salvation history book, many professed the faith, and so we could develop a church. Those books, incidentally, are, are available even for here. Even some of the churches have 
ask for that for um, for special challenge and kids and so forth. You know, even teach their, their children. So if somebody wants them, they can welcome oh, to cool. connect yeah, with me as well. Yeah. We'll get you in touch. But then, uh, so we entered the church after 10 years, and then we tried to find a new place to work, and we ended up on the coast, and there we de- developed uh, two churches in the, on the coast. All the time we were there, we also um, uh, set up a seminary. I was part of the Board of Governors from the very beginning, and so the seminary ran very well as well. And after, um, uh, well, 17 and a half years on the field, we, we lost a visa because of Islamization was going on. Oh, um, okay. The government didn't like that Iran Jaya was uh, 60% Christian, Hmm. Well, the whole nation was 90-some percent Muslim. Right. So the way to do that is send the Christian missionary home. So we had to get renew our visa every year again. Hmm. And so at that point, uh, we lost our visa in 1995 as well. Wow. And did they shut down the seminary at that point too? No, the seminary was shut down afterwards. But that was not so much because of the government, but because of some conflict between uh, the, some of the Dutch lecturers and, oh. and, and our national um, uh, board of governors. Oh, okay. And now we do have a seminary in Kalimantan and Sumba, so okay. get to, which our students go to as well. Neat. So, um, so I, we we returned back in 1995. We still work two years yet, um, living in Toronto, helping our kids to adapt into this culture because we were basically foreigners, right? Mm-hmm. We were born kid, and raised in a foreign country. Yeah, your kids are okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, during that time, I wrote a book on uh, on Islam for the seminary in Boma, uh, which 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 was in Indonesian, and then I got a call to Chatham. It's been 12 years in Chatham. Wow. And then um, the Mission Board of Toronto asked if I would go back to the mission field, this time in Papua New Guinea, because uh, we had some six areas in, in Port Moresby area where we were bringing the gospel, and there was one in, in Leh at that time, too, and now there's more in Leh. And um, they needed help organizing church life. We had 66 places where they were had different songbooks, and, and they weren't connected at all. And so, having had some experience in, in the West Papua side on uh, developing church planting, developing whole church, two point of institution, developing federation of, of churches, how they relate to each other with classes and, and all that, and developing a seminary. So they said, "Can you help us on PNG side?" And uh, so when we got to um, to uh, uh, PNG, um, one colleague of mine was there half year before I was from New Zealand. But he didn't know how to go about setting up the seminary. Well, I used the material. I used more or less the structure that we had in West Papua. We got to work quite well in the foot of Papua situation. Right. I used the the curriculum more or less from what we have in our, in our Hamilton uh, seminary. Oh, cool. And we developed that uh, the program. So we wrote all those courses in the first three years. It was a lot of work. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, so we're <laughs> preparing courses, course material, and uh, and teaching, and then. Um, uh, preaching on the weekend, so it was, it was a very, very, very busy time. Wow, yeah, that sounds busy. So now we, um, so we were able to develop a, a, a songbook, and I really united churches. We're also able to, we were able to develop also a, a classes and um, and histories and classes, and so that also united churches as well. Oh, that's cool. So that was uh, it was great, and um, now the seminary is running quite well. Uh, I repatriated what three years ago. Because I was 65, and mission board said you should come home and enjoy your kids and grandkids. <laughs> I wanted to continue to 70, but they said no, go home. But it was good. I think it was a good move. Yeah. Um, everything was set up well, and, it's, and, and we, it was running quite well. And we have now five uh, national pastors in the field doing excellent work. Nice. And uh, so now we, the person who replaced me was no longer a minister, but a teacher from uh, from New Zealand and senior teacher, which is good because I think it would help to develop the school a little bit better. 
you know, right. I wasn't, I'm not really a teacher, I'm a preacher, right? But it did yeah. set up the school yeah. at the seminary part. Um, but it's, uh, he's doing a great job. But we are short of missionaries, and especially now with the COVID situation. Right. It's yeah. very, very tough. Reverend Klein is, is really, you know, he's the only missionary minister mm-hmm. teaching the, the, all the seminary program and also preaching in the churches. And, um, well, since uh, what happened was when we were supposed to leave three years ago, unfortunately, my colleague from New Zealand um, um, had some very serious struggles. He had to go home, too, and he didn't come back. And they're still trying to find a replacement. It's three years now. So during those past years, they've been finding guest lectures to help out. We've been going back every um, January to um, April, May, helping out as well. Also get out of the, out of the snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but with the COVID now, it's very difficult. We were there this past year, and I came back in in April, and because of COVID, they can't get guest lectures. So right now, if I, they asked if I would help write some courses, so I've just finished reading the the whole Christian doctrine program, and it's a big two big manuals, about six hundred fifty pages altogether. Yeah. Wow. And now I'm writing the, the dogmatics program, and I've done three three blocks ready, and I'm writing all this year as well six blocks. We we teach. A block, four weeks, then we have three weeks off, which gives us an opportunity to, to write new material and also to preach in the churches and to give the, the diploma students also do some extra curricular material. And then so we have six four-week blocks. That's, that's consists of one year. Oh, okay. So we have two years. We call that difficult program. And those who do quite well, men who do quite well, can go on, on to the diploma program, which is the seminary program. So the whole program is five years. Okay. And after that, they become a candidate minister up to about three years before they actually go into the ministry. So it's it's about eight year program for them. They really okay. Well, it's also about the same as here. If you include yeah, like an it is it is true. Yeah, about the same number of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Do they yeah. come into that fairly educated already? Well, that's improving now because uh, in the early years, um, the education system was not paid by the government. Right. And people didn't have a lot of money, so it's not so. They, so a lot of people dropped out of school from six, maybe four, you know. Yeah. And so we've had some very, um, uh, we had some six grade six people coming into into college in early years. Right now, we m- most of them come in with grade twelve, mm. and we try to get it really less than grade ten, but it, it varies. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. And what size are these seminaries that you've been setting up, student-wise? Well, our um, our certificate program is. We think we have twelve students at this point. Our, our diploma program, a seminary program, is now five students. Okay. Yeah. You it's know. pretty big. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Cool beans. So, That's this cool. is what I'm busy with right now. I just, I'm writing dogmatics courses right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy stuff. That's eh? neat. I enjoy it. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah. good. I'm glad to be busy with it. In the morning, I write my courses. In the afternoon, I go rake the leaves or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neato. So, those, all those churches are, are you said you, you've created a classes there. And, yeah. and so they, they're affiliated, well, um, would be sister churches, but um, yeah. are affiliated with the Federation of URC Churches in in Australia. Um, no, this this we are all um, mission churches at this point. There's no real official connection oh, okay. except except via through the missionary, right? Right, and you can say the daughter churches possibly, but no, there's no oh, official connection at this point. Right. Now they just said uh, when we first came there, they were all different uh, areas. Some were half hour away, another one was an hour away, another one was three hours away. So they're quite far apart. Mm. And, uh, and they all had their own songbook, their own way of, of, of worshiping and so forth. So we were able to develop the, like, on the liturgy and, and we uh, got the, um, the songbook written up a little different. Because what happened in, um, yeah, when, when, I, when I came there in 1997, those churches were taken care of by the Australian mission. 
Okay. And uh, they asked if I would do an evaluation of their work because they came to a point where they said, should we continue or, or what should we do? Because the church in, in Hohola in Port Morrisby was instituted. They had four good elders and two deacons, and it was running quite well. And so they asked if I would come and do an evaluation. And I did an evaluation, and I said, yeah, that's true. This church is good, I, but we need a federation consists of more than one church, so we need to get right. out. Um, unfortunately, they didn't follow up my advice to, to move on in new areas. Um, they went. I understood afterward there were some internal problems in, in, in Australia, and so they decided to, to walk away. Then one of the elders who uh, I had, because um, during my evaluation, one of the elders were Wes Popman, who spoke in Indonesian. Yeah. He wrote to the Toronto Mission Board, hey, can you come help us? So we we were at the point where we, we were finishing in Papua because because of the Islamization, we were sent home. And so Toronto had to make up the mind, you know, we couldn't continue in Papua then. So where, we, where, where were we going to do mission? So we considered Guatemala, we considered also maybe going to Brazil because others were in Brazil. Yeah. And then this request came up. And so we said, okay, let's go to Papua New Guinea. And oh, the story cool. was okay with that. So that's how we that's how we got into Papua New Guinea. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so then when we got there, um, we, we said, okay, I told them, see, one of the problems that they had was, was there was too much, often when you start mission, uh, people are poor and you tend to put too much money into the system. That was also a problem in, 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 in Papua as well. It, that church had, were so first quite well off, and they put too much money in the system, okay. and it, it hurts afterwards. Yeah, you need to have, let the people learn to struggle for themselves a little bit too. It's good to give, but giving helping hurts sometimes. And maybe you're familiar with that book. Mm. Right? Helping doesn't always help. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, you, and um, and that also happened with Australia with with uh, uh, the Guineans as well. And so when they realized, hey, we need to pull back, it it was not easy on them. Yeah. And so that caused some relationship difficulties and so forth. So um, when we um, uh, developed the churches, we, we, when I got back there, I said, look, if you want us to bring the gospel and develop new areas with you, help you with church planting, we'll, we're willing to come and help. But if you want us to come as a Santa Claus, we're not going to go. And they yeah. said, no, please come help us bring the gospel. So that's how we got involved in, in PNG. Oh, so cool. do you find people were like joining the church just because they knew, you know, rich Westerners were helping out there? And There is some of that. There yeah. is some of that. Yeah. Uh, although that was not really the issue at that point, but the, you do have that. You have to be very careful when you when you when you're doing outreach, eh? and uh, so you need to always put the national in the front, right? And try to and the white people should try to get step back yeah, a little right, bit. Right, the right. national in the front, especially when you open up new areas. Um, yeah, we've had that problem in, in in Papua too. If white men does it, you will get a lot of people. If if one of the local people do it, you wouldn't get as many. But that's okay. At least mm. you got solid people. There are people who do really want the gospel, not the white man stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So it's 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 a, it's it's a difficult situation. Yeah, because I, I guess they see it as like kind of a way up or a way out. Yeah, or yeah. Well, they, you know, just... there's, there's there's a certain what we call cargo cult. Okay, right? They yeah. think that we 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 took their money and we're going to come back, but we're not being given the money back. You know, all the cargo. Oh, right? really? There's, there's that there's a, that huh. idea they a lot yeah, of people yeah. have. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because it was it's a very uh, primitive culture, or at least it was before. Um, yeah, probably the seventies, I guess. I mean, yeah, like, well, I think the Papua New Guineans were further developed than the West Papua. So yeah, West, West Papua, Papua was really were out yeah. in the jungle. I mean, they, yeah. when we got there, you know, there was just grass skirts and peanuts and yeah, all this kind of yeah. stuff, right? I've read you that know? book, yeah. uh, Lords of the Earth. Um, are you familiar with that? I guess uh, Don Richardson wrote yeah, it. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, so that like, yes, That's yeah, when they yeah, first that, started going to this tribe. It was an area about three quarters hours from us. Okay, yeah, and that was like very barbaric, and that was only the fifties, I think, right? That's right, forties, fifties. Yeah, he was just before us. Yeah, So yeah, it's very interesting. But how? So how was it different than in Papua New Guinea? That it's a little bit more urbanized. 
It's it's further developed. It um, because um, um, I think the Indonesians suppressed the Papuans in West Papua, mm. and they they consider them as not really human people. We, okay. They they actually use an Indonesian word. We have to make humanize the people. You know, they they call them orahutan, which is like a a, a, a monkey, right? Oh, okay. You know, and so they really uh, uh, oppressed the, the Papuans, and and they feel they're, they're they feel oppressed. I was when I went to Papua New Guinea. I said, "Wow!" I, I was amazed. It was good to see Papas who were proud, you know, who who could do things. You could actually they, they could drive cars and they could speak English, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so the Germans had been involved. The British had been involved. Australian later on was a lot, lot of work in there. And so that the whole nation developed much better. Oh, wow. The education system ran more or less better. Yeah. And, and so it's they prefer to develop. And actually, as far as religion goes, the, you know, on the West Papuan side, uh, we didn't have too many Muslims in the early years. Later on, they came in, and that's why we had to leave. But there's a lot of animism, right? There's all kinds of different uh, 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 clan yeah. religions, right? right. Yeah. With different gods and so forth. Whereas when you come on the PNG side, uh, there's, hardly, there's hardly a person who hasn't heard about Christ. Right. And you have every sect and cult and church you can think of is probably there. Because everybody thinks it's virgin territory. It's where we have to go. Right. You know, so it's, it's, so it, and that made the work so much different because when I preached the gospel to to to, to people in Mangalum, to Anders, that was they were lived in fear, and it was it's much easier to turn someone from from that animism religion to Christianity than it's to turn false Christianity to true Christianity. Interesting. That's a lot yeah. harder work. It's almost like the kind of work we do here, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, people hear about the gospel, but you know, yeah. are they convicted? Yeah. 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 yeah that's mm-hmm. a challenge, eh? Yeah, it is. Huh. And what's it like to train uh, like native elders to to go out and be church leaders there? Um, it takes a while. You know, it's it, it's more hands on than here, okay. right? And uh, so that's why we call them candidate elders. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had a, when I talked one minister one time, he charged us for playing church. Right? He said, "Well, you know, you're making um, official decisions, and when they're not really ordained, I says, you know, you have to roll with the orders you got." Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the way uh, the best training for them is not just simply teaching them how to do things, but uh, but actually let them do it too, mm-hmm. even if they're not fully ordained. But right. but us being ordained, of course, gives that official character to it. Right. And, but that's that's the best way to learn. Yeah. Hmm. Right. And uh, and there are certain things that when we try to institute, when we need to institute a church, um, the hardest thing is discipline. It's it's uh, it's very hard to discipline a relative. And of course, when you're in a certain village, everybody's connected because yeah. you know you're Small. always somewhat connected. Yeah. So it's very difficult to discipline a relative, you know. And I've, I remember sitting in a casistry with, with the brothers there, and and um, you know they're moving towards institution. So I said, "You guys got to do it yourself. I'll just I'll just lay back and I'll give advice when if I really feel I need it or if, when you ask for it. And when it comes to discipline, they just they just sit there and they just sit there and they hope that you will break the ice and, and give the answer. You know, we should do it." I said. Finally, when they are able to do it on their own and realize it's so important that they need to make a decision, mm-hmm. and I say, okay, now you're mature enough to move forward. Yeah. But that's a difficult one. Is that yeah. a confidence thing, or is there a real difference in culture over there when it comes it's to It's a difference culture. Okay. We call that a shame culture. Okay. And uh, people tend to be be very quiet and be very careful to charge someone else, or to be very careful to speak up, hmm. right? because, because they're afraid of uh, being shamed. Right? And if in classroom, when I'm teaching a class, and uh, you, you can hear, and here you can have interaction with your catechism students quite easily. Yep. But there, it try to get the, uh, some interaction, very difficult 
for them it's it's the situation where the teacher teaches and they say they are, are to listen but to get them to interact and to give an answer very difficult unless they know for sure to get the right answer they won't give you an answer because they're, really? they're quickly ashamed when they say oh i got it wrong right really but it makes it very difficult really? for church life as well because again in discipline try to try i try to convince that we do need to have the announcement with the name on the second step of discipline church is still struggling with that one some yeah. churches will do it other churches just can't do it really just, because they feel yeah. it's, it's too it's too shameful to to mention the person's name from the right. pulpit in the congregation interesting you know, yeah so just it's, yeah it's, it's a struggle well that's definitely a cultural thing eh? yeah. yeah i guess like our we have that a little bit i guess in in kids in school like you don't want to give the wrong answer but yeah in the same it's not really a shame thing necessarily right? it's just a it's a little bit more embarrassment, but yeah, but yeah. we have that here too. But there is, it's it plays a major role. Yeah, yeah it sounds like a yeah. major role in society yeah. and your how you like rank in society almost. Yeah, yeah. Did you find other big cultural differences? I mean, this is an obvious question, I guess, but like because Pastor Ian talked about here in North America, we mm -hmm. have a very individual culture. Yeah, and is it much more community oriented over there? Yeah, yeah. If it's going much more of a shame, we had if a person is working for you and he doesn't want to work for you anymore. He won't come to you and say, I'd like to quit. You know what he does? He just miss, does a terrible job. To the point where you say, we're going to let you go. And he feels relieved. Really? Because really? they, 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 they have won't. a hard time saying, I'm not qualified. I want, I want to leave. I just don't feel like doing this job. They won't tell you that. They just really? do a terrible job. It happens again and again. We just had it now with, with our a worker in the, on, the, on, the, on, the comp, on our compound. Yeah. Right? And I, I, said, I told the missionary, I said, the guy wants to leave. He's just, he's, that's what he's telling you. Yeah. And he ended up end being that way too. So how does that jive with our very blunt Dutch culture? Oh, it's so yeah, yeah. You know, funny, and, yeah. and I think that's one of the reasons why our church in Mangalum uh, actually um, instituted much quicker because those people were very blunt. Hmm. And some of our missionaries, Dutch missionaries, had a hard time with that actually, so because they, you know, they, they they could be blunt, but the nationals were not allowed to be blunt. You know, okay. so <laughs> it worked out quite well. And I I appreciate straightforwardness. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, if they don't like something we say, tell me. I'd like to know it, and then I can deal with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah, yeah. we're all yeah we're all about that. But yeah. I've I've had experience too where um, working with some people um, over the summer or something like that, um, especially immigrants from not from PNG but from that from that area of the world, and they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't quit. They would just leave. Hmm. Sometimes they would just like not show up. And then you'd be like, oh, I guess he's not coming yeah. back. And it was so weird to us, but I guess it was just a, yeah. it was just a cultural thing. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Uh, yeah. It, they're very relational-oriented, much yeah. more so than we are. You know, it, and that, again, they're very friendly. And, and that's not just to your face. They are very friendly people. Right? But um, relationship is number one. Hmm. Uh, like, for example, um, we have a budget. And we really stick to the budget, right? Um, but they're relationship stands above the budget right it's it's good to have a budget and we need to train them for you know to have a budget church budget and so forth but um i'll give you an example this, this is on the west Papuan side happened um i trained a, a, a church treasurer to to run the, the finances for the church and at that time there was still money so quite a bit of money coming in from from the netherlands for for helping out with flying because it's very expensive and various other things and there's also some money for for medical for medical assistance for the for the, the, the ministers, right? And but it's a certain amount. So I taught my church treasurer to to organize. I did an excellent job. But this one pastor's wife came to him, and she said, "I needed money for for malaria. My son's got malaria." And and she was she was always she came to him quite easy for all kinds of things. So at a certain point, the, the church treasurer said, 
I said, there's no more money for you, you used it up. And so she leaves, she's upset, of course she leaves. She comes back again, and, he, and she says, no, I, you used it up, sorry, you have to find other ways. Find well, my money from somewhere else, maybe from your relatives or whatever. She comes the third time, he has to give, because otherwise it breaks a relationship. And mm -hmm. so he ends up giving. I had, um, we had, uh, we have in, in, in West Papua, we had the church organization, but we also had, um, I call it the Federnasta, that took care of more of the, the, the education, the medical, the agriculture wing of things. Okay. And we always had a, a, a visit from someone from Netherlands who came and checked on that work. And they also had a, a treasure for that work. And this man from well, from the Netherlands came and talked to me because he struggled with his treasure. He says, every time I go through the, through the budget with him, there's always money missing. And we, we West Papans tend to say it's corruption. And I said, and I always warn our messengers, be careful, don't use that word corrupt, that's a bad word, especially in that culture, because it's shame, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, but you need to understand, why is it missing? It's a gain relationship. So I told him after, if 10% is missing, clap your hands, it's great. Doesn't mean you don't teach the people to try to work on a budget, but it comes with time. It's a, it's a change of culture, mm -hmm. right? It's the same thing with, uh, with uh, uh, time management, right? That's a tough one too, because we, we, you know, church starts at 10 o'clock, we start at 10 o'clock. Well, you go there, and especially for new missionaries, they struggle with that sometimes because you know all of a sudden they're they're they, they're missionary there, and they come to church at ten o'clock. Church starts at ten thirty, maybe quarter eleven. I said, what is this? You know? Yeah. And it's been church has been going this been going for years. Is it hasn't these people learned yet? It doesn't go that easy. Interesting. And people just I've had it sometimes where we you know we try to roll in the reins a little bit. I've had one particular family. I I said amen in the sermon. They walk in, mm -hmm. and, and man, it's so hard to work with. Right? Yeah, but yeah. as part of the culture, but that's you know, the church is one thing, but then you have consistent meetings or or, oh, yeah. or where the governor is going a little bit better. These people are a little more developed, right? but even consistent meetings, you got to be you could be so patient. You have to be patient. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is that something you try to change, or, or yeah, we, like, we try because I guess it's a cultural thing. Yeah. But you don't necessarily need to change a culture to have a church. But well, it, we, you know, you know it we, sounds like a good hindrance. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is a huge hindrance, and for some reason, you know, when it comes to school, they will come on time. Because they have learned to do that when they go to school, hmm. right? And so when we, when we have our, our, our Reformed Church Bible College or you know, classes, yeah. you know, both in the certificate and the seminary program, they're there, generally on time. And sometimes a little not, but most often quite on time. But when it comes to other uh, meetings, like consistories or classes, so we just wander in, you know. Really? But it's getting better. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Maybe let's uh, go back. You mentioned the songbook. You guys mm -hmm. had developed the songbook yeah. there. Like to just touch on that. Mm -hmm. That seems interesting with all the different cultural challenges. You were able to get all those churches together yeah. to to form the same songbook. Like, how did that go for you? Yeah. Well, when we got there, we noticed that churches were we had what six uh, church groups at a time. Now there's four. One uh, amalgamated. The other one, after 20 years, it just didn't respond well to the gospel. So we just simply shook the dust off our feet and walked away. And the few that were were faithful members, they joined the neighboring churches a little bit, or they one, one, some of the members moved into town and joined the church there. But, um, but the, you know, the, the, like I said, the churches were all were groups were quite uh, not connected at all. And the way we connected the churches was through through ecclesiastical um, connection with the classes and histories and so forth. We met once a month. Uh, all the leaders from all the churches met once a month and together. And then we had classes to, uh, you know, at least once a year, if not twice a year. Hmm. And then the other way was a seminary that also connected all the churches, although it was very mm -hmm. weak because they tried to make that seminary theirs, not ours. 
you know, obviously it was difficult to do it because they saw we were putting everything into it because they didn't know how to do it. And all the material right. came from us, of course. Right? But we tried to say, this is, this is your seminary, it's from, it's from you, for you, right? And they can really understand it's for them because they're all going back into the churches. But we also try to get them to support a little bit, a little bit financially, even though it's minimum up, at least it's try to get that connected. And it's growing. Try to get them to participate mm -hmm. in, in special events, graduation and so forth, just to make it, get them the sense that it's theirs. Community. Community, yeah. 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 But the songbook is a really beautiful way to connect it. But that wasn't easy because the, these, the, these church groups came from different clans and they have different customs and different songs. <laughs> you know, we went to one place, they were, they were singing Lutheran songs because it has some Lutheran background. And we went to another place, they were singing an evangelical song from the, from the highlands. And everyone had more had had had, had a lot of influence from the Catholics hmm. and the Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so when we went to different the first couple of years we were there, it was difficult. I mean, I put a sermon together and I had to find song selection. I had to use different books all the time, right. and then try to figure out an appropriate song from those kind of books. It was mm -hmm. super difficult, and uh, and we didn't have uh, um, our own. Actually, in ninety ninety seven, they one church was actually singing from our blue. Book of Praise. Do you oh, like yeah. blue, blue one? Oh, Ten years sick. later, when I got came back and we was called a missionary, it was gone, and for some reason it disappeared. And did you hmm. have instruments along with singing? Well, the only instrument they actually play is is, is the guitar. Okay. Yeah, because I think the natural music for for the native in the, in the in the jungle is just a bongo drum. Yeah, yeah, just the drums. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, 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 in West Papua they started to develop a little chuppy little guitars. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like cute. smaller. Yeah, a little smaller, but it's, it, it like works a, quite well. Okay, like yeah. almost yeah. like a ukulele. But yeah, sort of that type of thing. Yes, oh, okay. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But uh, music we use in the in the in the, in the churches is, is, uh, is yeah acapella or or the guitar. Mm. Anyway, so what do we do? You know, we, we said we need to get the, the churches together, and we need to sing. Uh, we need to get a songbook that's good for all the churches to unite the churches, and, and something that's good for reform worship. Mm -hmm. And um, providentially, Dr. Fisser had a speech on on the convocation. I think it was 2009, maybe 2010, on the principles for songs of, for worship. And uh, so we were able to use that. We took that back to the field and said, "Brothers, this is can we work with this?" So what we did. We took all those song books and we tried to pick out some songs that tried, that fitted more or less this category, these, these principles. Mm -hmm. Some did not so well, some did fairly well. But because you could not just throw the books away and give them all entirely new ones, yeah. that wouldn't work. No, no, no. You know, because these songs were, songs are always close to their heart. Mm -hmm. and, and some of these evangelical songs, they, you know, they're very emotional, you know, and mm -hmm. happy, 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 clappy stuff. So you can, couldn't get rid of it <laughs> entirely, right? Yeah. So it, it's a gradual change, yeah, right? right? So we did took uh, uh, some of the songs from the various books, and then we started to add, add uh, psalms as well. Okay. And, um, you know, because we didn't have any, so we now, we have a we have I should, could have taken it along. We have a, a songbook for the churches, which consists of three sections: the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Oh yeah. And uh, the Psalms are actually only we have about uh, I think about thirty right at this point. Okay. And the hymns are about uh, forty-six, and the spiritual songs about thirty-six. And the reason mm -hmm. why we have the spiritual songs, those are songs where we say, you know, they don't really fit. Some of them maybe could go into the hymn section, but they're a little bit more lighter and uh, more. Uh, I wouldn't say campfire songs, maybe a bit that way too. And hopefully over time, the yeah. churches will be able to evaluate themselves whether they should be in the songbook or should be removed entirely. Right, right. we didn't want to... Uh, would yeah, determine, that, you know, would yeah. that fall under like our praise and worship kind of... Uh, sort of, yeah, sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, like, you could say that, yeah. Right, and, okay. and, you know, we didn't want to do this by ourselves because, like I say, we have now four or five uh, pastors right now and we have some mm -hmm. elders. And so, you know, even though 
uh, we're, we are doing pretty well, most of the work. Yeah. But we didn't want to be above them or mm -hmm. top of them. We said, you know, they realized that they need to get a book together to be able to unify it, and they really want it. They really appreciate it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is, were they pretty uh, on board with that? Was yes. That, well, was they it? even they asked us actually to do it. When, when, we, when we showed what we were doing, what we have, Back in our, in our home churches, and, and they, 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 they see movies and videos and so forth. Right. They said, we need this too. You know? Why was that something that they, they uh, were so receptive to? Yeah. Did any, like, was it just that they were traveling and they didn't know each other's songs, or were they just they felt that the unity in the, the, uh, the churches would be a good thing? Like, I think the unity developed via the seminary, because we were teaching in oh, seminary, and we were singing these songs in the seminary, right. and they said, hey, we need that in the churches too. Right. Uh, and that's how the graduate. We didn't. It didn't start from the churches to the to the seminary or to the college, you know. But it came from the college went out. Okay, interesting. And so, yeah. the, so the and because the college was not just pastors, but we this is a difficult program. We're also for boys and girls. Good company. Okay, right. And the, the men who did excel, they could move on to the uh, to the diploma program, to the seminary program. But the rest went back, and they would could become Bible school teachers or uh, just leaders or just simply. Better Christians, right. better, better mothers yeah, and fathers, right. and so it, so it had a rippling effect in in the, in the various church groups, mm. and so as the songs were sung in, in the college, if you were there for two years or five years, they, they become part of your heart afterwards, yeah, you know, and yeah, then you yeah. take them back after it. So, so in that way, it, didn't, it wasn't really top down. It was, they also brought it, and they said, "We we need more of this. Can you help us with this?" Right. And so yeah. we're still working on that. Yeah, we've had the same book for so long that, like, you know, growing up, and then you know, our parents. Um, that now we're kind of, you know, at the other end of it where we're like, well, maybe we could sing something else. Yeah. But, you know, I see that that's like, that sounds like such a valuable thing for somebody who, you know, is neighboring to another church. But mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you can't really unify over something like that if you're singing something totally different. Right? What were some of those principles? Um, you said it was Dr. DeVisser? Yes. Uh, that had given that yeah. some talk. What were some of those principles that you used to guide in the creation of that book? Okay, I think one of the things was, if I just think of it through, um, um, when we got there, some of the songs were very Jesus songs, right? Or very Pentecostal, yeah, yeah, and um, and very some very very um, repetitive, but very little content to it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we we uh, one of the first things that uh, on, the, on the list of principles was um, that we needed to cover the full counsel of God and to cover uh, the litur liturgical worship. So there are uh, different aspects of the liturgical worship. So we need songs that, that we could respond to. If you heard the law, you have a song that fits to respond. Right. To and, and various um, aspects of reading up of history. And yeah. Do you have songs that could respond to that? Right. So that was that was one of the principles. Uh, second one, um, that they were faithful to the scriptures and our confessions. Um, third one was, um, was it in, in, could the people understand what they were singing? Yep. The content, the words. Mm. Right? Uh, uh, fourthly, was it singable? That was a big one too, because you didn't even choose it. It doesn't come natural. Right? So was it singable? And I think it was at a fifth one yet. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's, that's good. You gave us four. That's, four. Yeah, that's good. From yeah, we'll have to dig that uh, that uh, so, speech up. So, you, but, so those 30-some-odd psalms you have, did you ditch the Genevan tunes and just kept the same words, or what did you do for that? We um, we tried the Geneva tunes, and uh, we as as missionaries got together. Said so, you know we sang them together, and we said, would this fit in this culture? Having lived there for a number of years, some were quite young yet, as were had been there a number of years already. Would this fit? Would the people be able to sing this? And some of them we said, no, this is this is too difficult. It, it, it wouldn't catch. 
Ezra said, okay, this will, do, will work. So we, we do have a, a good selection of Geneva tunes. Yep. But we have also a number of psalms where we, we, we said, no, it doesn't fit. Yep. We need mm. to. So we've got different music. Okay. So we have, a, we have we're, we, you know, we did say we need to have the Reformed Church doesn't have the, does have to have the psalms. Yeah. yeah, and we didn't have them when we got there in 2009. There was no, there was no psalms. Okay. We're, we're being sung anyway. The psalms of scripture were not being sung. It says, you know, the Reformed Church sings the psalms of scripture. We need to get the psalms on there. Even 150 is fine, good too. But let's let's get music and content that's understandable and singable. And build yeah, it right. up from there. That's right. right. And so okay. at this point, we're at only at 30, and it's okay. We don't want to. Mm-hmm. You can't. Don't add too many too quickly either. Take yeah, no, let, let them get from comfortable with this. And even these, these, some of these were starting to realize, oh, it's not working. This tune didn't work. Or maybe even the tune we gave to it didn't work. It you know, so we need to try to move on. Yeah. Mm. But again, that's not only just our city. We're working together with the nationals on yeah. this as well. You know, this is something we are act- we're trying to get more and more feedback from them. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, so. yeah, we've had Dutch people redo our Dutch soul book that we, that we <laughs> sing from, right? So yeah, yeah. it's, uh, I guess, yeah, you almost have the same thing, but you, they just don't have the long history yet. Yeah. So. Do you, um, I was going to ask you about uh, these tunes um, and, and the lyrics of the Psalms. So you, you talked about those Jesus-centric Psalms yeah. that are kind of lighter in the content of yeah. the Pentecostal side. Um, do you find that to be any sort of challenge in the Psalms where they don't, the Psalms don't mention Jesus mm. specifically. Mm. Of course, they, they point yeah. to Christ in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but do you, is that a challenge or has that not been an issue really? In, yeah, well, I, I think, yeah. There's not much Jesus in the Psalms, obviously. Yeah, right? no, I yeah, mean, yeah. It, you have to read between the lines a little bit, and I wouldn't say we're not they're not for historical, but they're not they're different. The Jesus stuff, material usually comes in. Points to Christ, yeah. but not yeah. explicit. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right. Yeah. But there too, even if that, we, you know, um, my experience is that there tend to be a lot of focus on Jesus, and of course it's understandable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Christ is the center, yep. right? But it's at the cost of the Father and the Spirit. Right, and so we've really had to scale that back. But and and the other, and the other thing we need to really had to work on too was um, I throw out a lot of songs that were Armenian. Oh, right? Okay, and so, we, mm. so that that was one of the things we had to watch out for as well. Yeah, and it's, mm. so there was a lot of work involved with that. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's that's pretty common in uh, those lighter songs. Yeah. You say yeah. yes, yeah. That's interesting. But people love to sing, and like when you go to church there, you know, even though the church doesn't start to ten thirty. A lot of people will be ready in church at ten o'clock, yeah. but they'll be singing for a half hour. They love people love singing. Yeah, they yeah. love singing these psalms. They really enjoy it. Once once they get to know it, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, and that's not really an organized thing. Yeah. That's yeah. just uh, that's just comes from them. Yeah, that comes like, from them. But it's that, that's not what we organize. That's 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 the, that's right. how they do it. Yeah, because that's like something that we're very yeah. we're very structured with when we we walk into church. We talked about about this with Tim Challies a little bit too. He said like uh, yeah, our Dutch our Dutch tradition is that we're you know we're reverent we. We come mm. into church. We're quiet. We yeah. sit down. We're quiet with our family. Yeah. You know, we don't talk. We don't talk much, anyways. Just say hi to the people around you, but that's it. Yeah. And then we, you know, we start service here. And so that seems cold. I'm like, yeah. I, I can imagine walking into this church and everyone's there singing already, despite anyone organizing yeah. it. Yeah, that sounds like it, it would be a quite interesting thing yeah. to visit. Yeah, yeah. Using that word majestic. That's exactly that was the other point. The music should be dignified and majestic. Mm. Yeah. So not just any flipping, flipping songs. Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Flipping, yeah, 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 yeah. So are they? So like this? I'm just trying to picture this. How this would like uh, manifest in real life? Like, is this a church building or like what does it look? What does a church look like right there? 
Well, I most of our churches are open air. Well, that's open okay, air. That's I, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's, you, you, you have a wall about this high, so you don't can't, kids can't always look out. Yeah. Right. But then it's, it's open from from here till to, to uh, the so to, like to, a park type structure. That's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And that's that's beautiful. That's cool. It, yeah. It's cool. At least it breathes through a little bit. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> In, in, in West Papua, we had we had those buildings too. But then the government see what happened. Uh, there's a certain amount of money is given for religion in in, in the in the in the central government in Jakarta for for churches for for religion, okay. right? And so some there's five different religions, and Muslim being the main one, of course. And so uh, it's all given according to requests. So if the Christians don't ask money, it will all go to the Muslims. So the, the, the minister of the Christian religion says, says, always tells us, come on, you guys, ask for more money. Build, build churches and so forth, you know, because we don't want to give all the money to the Muslims. You know? And so they're pushing it down their throat, our throat to build churches all the time. But we love these churches that are half open. Yeah. Right? It's airy and it's easy to maintain. Right? And so now they come, and, and I've seen some of the beautiful buildings that they built in the, in, in the middle of the jungle with all beautiful cement floors, which, which is right, the cement walls and windows, and it's so hot. Oh, it's yeah. impossible, and yeah. people go back and go and, and worship in their old buildings again because it's just impossible to live in those things. Yeah, to worship in those really? things is too hot. Yeah, no AC out there. Yeah, no, 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 not the <laughs> see, yeah, no, yeah. no, we have no power to worship. We just have a little generator that we run four hours a night, and that's it. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So they give they give money to just religious groups. Just that's right. They have yeah. a designated amount of money. Yeah, because they don't want to give it all to movies. Imagine that happened here. Yeah, that's like. <laughs> Yeah. You can have this much money as Christians. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. I don't know if it's always a good. It spoils them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. how did that become Muslim? Like, was that... I, that's the Papua New Guinea side. No, this is the Papua side. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. West Papua. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So wasn't that... That was very tribal before. Yes. Did the Muslims do like... Because they, some, the Muslims spread their religion through uh, through merchants. Merchants will go on into the interior and then they bring their religion with them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so. so was that better received than the Christian missionaries? Or did they get there first or what? Because they give a lot. There's a lot, there's a lot of money. Oh, interesting. And, uh, and, and the Papas well, had no problem doing this. Yeah. 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 Well, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah. You know, there may be shame calls, but not shameful, not shameful to have. If you want to give me some, I'll take it. Right. Hmm. Yeah, well, they, um, they didn't have a lot, so I can't, yeah, <laughs> can't really yeah, blame them yeah. for that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but on, on the, on the Papua New Guinea side, there's very few Muslims. It's coming in. I've noticed that there's a couple of mosques, and they actually... One big mosque downtown. They actually pay people to go to the mosque. <laughs> what? You know, you know, so it's, it's just not catching in in the, in in, the, in PNG as well. But it is coming in, and therefore I'm also be writing a, a, another book this time in English on Islam for the seminary in, mm-hmm. in the in the in Port Moresby. But right now, once I get all this dogmatic yeah. stuff out of the way, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I think we need to be ready. I, and, and I've spoken about it a couple of times, and uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it's coming in. It's, wow, that's cool. Interesting, cool. Yeah, well, right. we got a couple minutes left, but yeah, uh, maybe not yet. Yeah, we got a lot of good questions in here. I'm thinking um, maybe just leave leave us with your biggest challenge you see ahead mm. for the church in in Papua there, and then also uh, your biggest reason for for hope and, and optimism going forward. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is um, two things: marriages. Secondly, witchcraft. Really, Sangama, uh, Sanguma, I think probably. Uh, Wow. Reverend, we would probably spoke about that as well. Yeah, see, we can do another 45 minutes on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a huge thing. You know, wow, uh, marriage, why? Because uh, strong marriages give strong families, strong churches. But we, because we are so small, it's so hard to find good partners, mm. Christian partners. 
And then you have this attitude where some of our young people have to is that, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll bring them to the Lord afterwards, as if we can change the heart of a person. Yeah, right. the book of the Spirit, right. obviously, through the Word. You know, and so it's, it's, it's a tough, tough one. And people are learning, they're realizing that it's not working, and they see very bad uh, results of, of mixed courtships, mixed marriages. And, but there's also very few to choose. So we, that's also one of the reasons why we need to get, mix a little bit more. Yeah, right. um, so Guma, witchcraft, that's a tough one. Again, I, West Papua New Guinea is as bad as, as, as West Papua, but I can give you an example in West, West Papua how deep it is. And um, we had, a, we had a, a conference once of all the ministers and, uh, and evangelists, and we talked about various topics. One of the bo books we studied was Frank Peretti's book on, called Prison Darkness. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, no, he, not, he, he no. spoke. He speaks. He writing. A, he writes about a situation where, um, where you actually see the spirit. Like Ephesians speaks about the spirit mm. at work in the universe, right? So he said, he, he says you can actually see the spirit. And there you see uh, uh, the Holy Spirit or one of the good spirits, and here you see an, an evil spirit or demon at work. And you're walking down the street, and here's a casino, and, says, and the Holy Spirit says, "Go away from it." Like an angel devil Every, on your shoulder, kind yeah. of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the evil, the evil spirits try to tempt you. So you see the battle going on, mm -hmm. and that's really, I think, we 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 live in a more spiritual world, yeah, and that's the reason why why we devil this book. I think it's more spiritual world down there it is up here. Here we tend to be very physically busy, yeah. right? And uh, but then um, then the, the question I, I asked the, the the ministers and the elder and, and the elders and the evangelists is says if someone came and tried to jinx you, can you do it? Okay. If someone tried to hypnotize you, can you can you do it? I've had people try it on me. Yeah. Not successful. But. Yeah. Why not? Because you say it's not for me. Yeah, I just Right. Yeah, that's exactly to. the point. It's, yeah. it's, but that whole crowd of all the ministers and, and uh and evangelists, no one put up their hand except for one minister says, No, you can't touch me. And I thought, wow, is that what the Lord's building church on? People that were so afraid they're really? afraid that they could be jinxed, really? and they're bringing the, they're the gospel preachers. Well, it was good we talked about it, but I did change the whole thing. Everybody did think about it. You know, we need to mm. live about fear, yep. but that fear is also on Papua New Guinea side. And again and again, I had to address the people. Says because you know they, they keep the mouth shut, then you mm. realize, oh, they're fearful. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. it's 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 a real struggle. The fear of witchcraft. Okay, not don't dare to speak up because they might be uh, charged afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's a tough wow. one. Okay, wow. and then the reason for hope going forward. Yeah, <laughs> defeat the witch. Well, I think. Yeah. I, well, I think because the gospel is reaching and is having inroads. Uh, it's uh, there's, we have we have we have, we do a lot of um, street preaching. Reverend Klein has been involved with that a lot less in the last couple of years because he used black man power there right now. Mm -hmm. Reverend uh, 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 Ryan DeYoung is doing great work in, on outside, which is good because that, it's open for that there. And uh, and people are saying, "Wow, we've never heard it like this." Yeah, and they, they they hang on your words, right? And yet it doesn't necessarily change them immediately, but that's okay. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. it, it, over the Lord will have His own among those crowds, and in due time, what they will come yeah. in, right? But people are hearing the gospel different. We have a magazine, a two light. I think Reverend Wilbur spoke about that too. That is really touching people, and it's connecting people to come to the seminary as well, or to the college, and and become pastors, and some of them become ministers. Some of them just go back again. That's okay. The seed is being sold that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think I think. Uh, you know, it's small beginnings they grow. Right? We just, yeah. We're you know often yeah. had to encourage our our uh, our, uh, our um, churches and our, our seminaries. Is don't because they say, well, we might we're probably not the true church. Look at the Catholics, huge. 
the SDAs, the Seventh-day Men's, I said, Hughes, they must be the true church, because look, we're, we're small. I says, you know, I was only with, I was only with three people, three students in the seminary back in 78. Yeah. And, yeah. and now look what we are, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were a small, uh, small federation. Now look what we are. It, it, good things start small. Yeah. We just, we just yeah. need to be faithful, steadfast, preach the word in another season. And the Lord will give a blessing. And even now, if you look back 10 years, great blessings. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, there's, there's great hope. We just, but we need to keep encouraging people because they can get down afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard when you can't find this, this good spouse, you know, and yeah. the, yeah, and your you know, church growth grows slow. Yeah, it goes yeah. Yeah, exponentially quicker as as your numbers get quicker. Yeah, bigger, yeah, yeah, bigger, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Well, yeah, we wish you the Lord's blessings and yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you for yes, all your sure, your work yeah. over the years too. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. Real joy. Yeah. Well, hopefully, they, yeah, they continue to find men to, to go there and help. And Yeah, we yeah, plan to go back. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll see if we can get there in January, February, March, April. We'll see what happens. Yeah, We're yeah. planning to do it if we're, next, if we're able to make it. Or not, yeah, if we'll COVID lifts, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah, thank you. Good yeah. stuff. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you for joining us. Yeah, God bless you, good. And yeah. both of this work is great. Appreciate right. it. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs>
Yeah, it seems to matter more than our election, so. Yeah, somewhat. So maybe let's just start off. We we want to talk to you about um, your work uh, in your church and and what you've been doing, and and specifically we'll get into like the issue of of what kind of songs you guys sing and how that goes Mm -hmm. for your uh, your churches. But maybe just to start off, let's just introduce yourself and your background, how you kind of got to to where you are now in in your ministry and and what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, so I'm a pastor at the Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America. If you like the alphabet soup, that's the RPCNA. <laughs> um, and I've served here in Stillwater, Oklahoma, since I graduated from the Reformed Presbyterian Seminary. Uh, it's a, and that's about 30 years that I've been here. Um, I grew up in the in the RP Church. I have a just the blessing of a godly heritage, Christian parents, father and mother that uh, that raised uh, raised their family to to know the Lord and to worship Him and uh, to follow after Him. And from an early age, I had an interest in in pastoral ministry, and so pursued that in college and then in seminary, and then came came here to be involved in a in, in a church planting work. That was in 1990, and um, it was a period where the uh, I think the Reformed churches in general, uh, but especially the RPCNA, was getting much more involved in in thinking about and praying about uh, intentional church planting. Uh, that's not that that hadn't happened uh, beforehand in the history of, of our denomination, but it, it seemed like it was less intentional. It seemed to be more the following of people as they migrated, uh, kind of migrated across the Midwest. And and uh, so churches would spring up as people moved for work or uh, for family or, or things like that. Uh, but the, the church began to think a little more intentionally about the, uh, the mission of the church and the, uh, the role of, of uh, church planting and some of the unique questions that come up in that uh, that aspect of church work okay. okay so when you say church planting um i'm just trying to get an idea you you mean do you mean more local uh work in in the cities that you're in um or is it is it more of a missional uh you know move away from where you are kind of uh, church plant that you're referring to yeah it has a little bit of both it has in mind the uh, the the work in the local church being intentionally evangelistic and um, with uh, with family with community um, sharing the gospel in a in a, a decidedly uh, overt way um, not just uh, um, uh, not just uh, through uh, lives lived in a godly fashion but intentionally uh, doing that and then sharing the gospel. Then it also uh, involves the the idea of of going to a new location, of uh, uh, of questions that would lead us to uh, to to come to Oklahoma, for instance. Uh, the church in Stillwater was a church plant, and okay. so I, I came came here, and, and uh, uh, there were a couple of families that were here prior to to my arrival, something of a core group. But uh, God's providence, I was able to serve as uh, an organizing pastor in the in the church plant here. Okay, so where where were you uh, from originally? Then, just our Canadian uh, listeners don't know much. 
Yeah. Well, I grew up in Topeka, Kansas. Okay. Uh, so just north of Oklahoma. So this is uh, Oklahoma and Kansas uh, border each other. And, and so in many respects, I, I came back from Pennsylvania where I went to college and seminary, came back to uh, a place where I culturally was very, very familiar and uh, could fit in. Okay, cool. Right. Learn to learn to cheer, cheer for some different uh, sports teams, but <laughs> other than that, it wasn't too hard. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so you mentioned there was a few families there before you you got to the church. How does church planting uh, typically go in terms of like number of people? Are you guys just parachuting solo pastors in there, or like you bring a couple families along? How does that work for for you guys? Yeah, yeah. There there are a variety of methods and and. Um, we try to equip the presbyteries to to especially be involved in that that work of church planting. That they, uh, we think that there's a, a primary uh, care for the uh, for the pastors and for the congregations that comes in that, in that presbytery model. And so, um, on a on a larger uh, uh, level, the denomination gives encouragement and training and uh, and guidance uh, to uh, to help presbyteries do this work, and and uh, throughout the the last thirty years, I've seen a, a number of different models used. Um, one that we've we've thought has been probably the most effective, as uh, for lack of a better term, it's the idea of a, of a daughtering of a congregation, where there's a um, a location that's uh, reasonably close by, where you can have um, uh, potentially families that are uh, are part of your own home congregation that are coming from a different location uh, location maybe an hour or so away from you and uh, you reach out and uh, nurture that uh, nurture something of a core group there and uh, at, at at a certain point that um, that that uh, that core group is then sent out as a as a new congregation, uh, birthed okay. so to speak, um, out of out of that mother congregation, and uh, the the congregations in the RPCNA we we tend to um, ha- have uh, um, a smaller membership or uh, maybe a, a closer. In- um, sense of, of pastoring, and uh, I don't know all of the the, the reasons for that. I, I think that um, maybe the Canadian Reformed churches that uh, you might tell me what the uh, what an average church plant begins with, but we'll often start with um, five to ten households, somewhere between twenty five and thirty individuals, and our our congregations seemingly tend to to be small as well. Our, yeah. My current congregation is uh, between 80 and 85 members and th- that are, are coming out as uh, adult and children all together. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. We're, I think we're navigating through some of that now in our churches. So um, trying to understand what the best way would be to do that in our area. So um, definitely yeah. something that different churches are experimenting with and stuff. So and how, yeah. does, how does that work from a, a federation level? Because it, like those are pretty small numbers for churches. Are you guys able to be financially stable on your own, or do you have uh, other churches that support you? How does that work? Yeah, yeah. So, it, in God's goodness, I, I'm able to uh, uh, to be paid by the local congregation, and uh, 
I feel very blessed by the um, by the way I'm I'm cared for by by the congregation. Uh, I'm able to give myself full time to the ministry. I don't have a, a second job. Uh, my wife is, doesn't work outside of the home either. She's able to stay home and. Um, while our kids have been been young, that was a real important investment that we made to uh, give give her the opportunity to invest in the in the raising of our children. Mm-hmm. Um, our our last uh, daughter is in college now, and so we're we're in some transition and thinking about uh, other ways that uh, that my wife may may be involved in a, in a job or something like that. But um, so. Uh, I, I do feel very cared for. Uh, for a small, a smaller church plant, though, uh, the denomination does have uh, resources to come alongside and give both financial aid and then also a, a, a leadership oversight as well. I, I served on our, our denomination's home mission board uh, for about 20 years and and uh, enjoyed uh, being part of that encouragement and have been involved in a in a number of, of other types of church plants as well in, in our presbytery. Um, one was uh, nurturing a, a group that developed in Dallas, Texas, up at about five hours away from us, and um, then even a little further afield in Bryan College Station, Texas as well, uh, eight to nine hours away. And, um, so uh, in, in those in those models, there was a um, there was a core group that developed yeah, that was nurtured by uh, the presbytery under um, under a commission is what we would would erect uh, a temporary governing body uh, or a temporary session for the uh, for the congregation uh, to provide oversight and care for the, the souls of the of the members. And uh, to search for a pastor to come and to help train up local leaders and local elders and okay. uh, to do the work of the ministry there. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, so I, I was wondering before we get into um, some of the, the specifics of your congregation, and we want to talk about singing, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. We're Obviously, we're from Canada, so uh, I just wanted to lay a little bit of the landscape of what what is it like in, in the States? Um, we've talked a bit on our previous podcasts about the difference between uh, what we see mostly in the Hamilton area, uh, which is a lot of immigrants. Um, Canadian culture seems to be a bit different. Um, There's a little less of an assumption we thought about, um, you know, the fact that everyone kind of comes from a Christian background um, as opposed to America. So um, maybe you can talk about that. Like, do you um, have a lot of, you know, say competing denominations around you? Um, When you see people join the church, are they often from a Christian background or are they churched, unchurched? Uh, maybe speak to that. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the, um, the, the state of the, the United States is, uh, is, I would say, um, uh, disconcerting at this, at this time that uh, as, as is happening in, in, um, much of Western culture that does seem like there's a, a turning away from a, a Christian heritage and a departing from some of the truths and uh, that which our our nations have been founded, uh, not just the United States, but really kind of across the board in mm-hmm. Western culture. Um, 
that would include Canada. And, uh, so Oklahoma is uh, in what they call the Bible Belt. Uh, uh, that's, that, that means that uh, it seems like uh, on uh, every corner uh, in downtown, there's a there's a church, mm. and that. And as as I started my ministry, as I talked with people in the community, it was very rare for me to ever find somebody that uh, that didn't know who Jesus was and 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 had some concept about what the what the gospel is. And and uh, for the most part, many of them would even claim to have uh, some some saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, they, they would. Uh, self-identify, right, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. and you use that uh, that term, <laughs> self-identify as as Christians, and uh, uh, and we uh, we don't probably need to go down the road of, of critiquing what they whether or not they were. Um, right, but it, be another co- another was it popular though to to say that oh, yeah. like it wasn't it wasn't frowned upon or anything because. Oh, yeah, that seems yeah. to be the way that we see it going here. Is that that's that's not a thing that's just accepted anymore. Just, yeah. Well, I think that, that we're we're following. If if you're ahead of us, I don't know, or behind, but we are behind. definitely <laughs> heading in that direction. And, and the um, uh, it does seem like it is less and less a, a accepted, and less and less of a uh, of a. Uh, for someone to uh, to identify as a Christian, uh, there's some fear that I think people face in, in doing that, and hmm. um, so uh, even here in the, in the Bible Belt, uh, I'm finding more and more people who uh, have um, only a vague vague grip on on what it is that uh, Christianity is about, hmm. or uh, and more and more that are just um, just rejecting uh, the whole thing and um, the the nuns that are are rising up the the ones that are um, are not embracing any any religious affiliation whatsoever uh, let alone um, let alone Protestant Christianity let alone reformed uh, Protestant Christianity right. um, so in the history of the church you had asked about where we see uh, converts or where we see people coming from, um, there are a, a couple of different uh, doorways to the church that, uh, that I would describe. Um, one of the doorways is through covenant families. Uh, one of the blessings of, uh, of the gospel is that it does, uh, does, does move into, the, into not only an individual's heart, but there's transformation that that comes that affects uh, not only that individual but affects marriage and affects uh, family, and so um, uh, that's uh, I imagine that in the in Canadian Reformed churches that there's a a, a similar uh, both prayer and acknowledgement. Uh, I've always loved the mm-hmm. commitment to Christian education that I've seen in the mm-hmm. Reformed uh, Canadian Reformed churches and and just that that acknowledgement that, that here is a trust from God that our children are. And, and uh, so that's one doorway. Uh, another doorway ha- has been uh, what I would say um, just in church planting work. I, 
um, I've come to think of it in a couple of different categories that so when I, when, when a, a new church starts, there is, um, I think there's a, uh, there's a, um, it's right to let people know that, that there is a, a confessional reformed church starting here in, in this new city. And so it, you, you go into a community and, and you look for people who are looking for you. Uh, and, uh, there, you want them to be able to find that here's a, here's a church that believes in, in the Bible. Or here's a church that uh, holds to the Westminster Confession of Faith. And, um, and so, uh, in a, in a new community, um, that, uh, that needs to be part of, uh, of a plan of outreach. Um, there's also, uh, kind of a second related category to that. Uh, I've, I've called it, uh, looking for those who are looking for you, but, the, but don't know they're, they're looking for you, <laughs> but don't know it yet. And, and by that, I mean, uh, I, in, in, in much of the broader evangelical church, I would say there's a uh, there's something of a, uh, a of a starvation that, that's going on, uh, starvation for uh, for God's word, a real hunger for the um, I think the, the 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 maturity and the depth and the reality of the Reformed faith that that's, that's communicated and. They might not be able to articulate it in that way, or say, "Yeah, I'm looking for a reformed church," but 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 they they, they know it when they taste it. Right. <laughs> they, right. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you? Yeah, but do you have any? So okay, so it's people who um, are looking for a reformed church, and um, but do do you have people who are, do you find it difficult because there's so much cultural Christianity there to get traction to grow the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, just uh, in in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, we had one more category, and that's looking for the lost. Um, hmm. And I would say that that those who are looking for a reformed church, there's there's some, an immediate traction. I mean, that they are looking for you, so there, there's that immediate traction. Right. Uh, for those that uh, that are looking for you but don't know it yet, um, the um, the, the traction I would say comes, uh, in the, in the tasting and seeing, uh, uh, and, and being part of, of that, um, of that church. And, and, and I would say the same would be, be true in a, in a related way in, in reaching out for the lost, those who, uh, those who have no concept of what Christianity is whatsoever. And, and, um, Maybe a, a story uh, on that subject would be helpful in that uh, um, in the in our congregation we had the the, the joy of um, uh, we have the joy of ministering to a, a university campus that brings people here from all over the world and so uh, we ha- had a um, uh, a young man from Korea raised uh, as as a christian there came came part of our congregation just a delightful young man uh, full of the gospel joy and which would, would share that with others and he brought a friend with him from japan uh who who said this is my very first conversation with him he came to church he 
after church, he, he talked to me, said, um, I'm in the same program as my friend, Ram. Uh, I'm in the same program as he is. I have the same troubles he has. I go through the very same classes, and, uh, and he's always happy. And he says it's because he's a Christian. Uh, can I be a Christian? Uh, this is my very very first conversation with him. What a what a great opening to yeah, what a witness. Yeah, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. It really is. It really is. Uh, so so there's some of the traction I would say that yeah. there's, there's a, a life uh, a gospel life that is lived that's coupled with the words that are spoken, the gospel that is shared intentionally with someone else uh, that uh, that bears fruit. Um, not just with those that are, I would say, either nominal Christians or those who are uh, uh, young and growing and, and longing for something more, uh, but also for the for the non-believer as well. That that uh, the doors hmm. that uh, that are there are often relational uh, and relational connected, especially to the uh, to the Word of God um, and. Uh, um, connected to that uh, that invitation to come and to taste and to see what uh, what God is offering. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So you want to get into a bit of the Psalms and or yeah, the, just the singing and yeah, that's that's a large reason why we yeah. wanted to talk to you as well with your your experience as in mission planting in North America. How does that work out, uh, especially in the Bible Belt too? When you guys, I believe this is the case, you only sing the Psalms. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So how how does that compare, and how do people find that, especially newcomers to the church? There, yeah, are they familiar with uh, probably a wider array of of just general praise and worship? I would imagine, or, or set the scene for us. Mm-hmm. What's it like there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, think of those three doorways again, and the the Reformed Christians. Um, there's uh, often an appreciation or an understanding, at, at least, of singing the psalms, if not. If not singing just the psalms, mm. and so, uh, so that's something that is uh, is not uh, a huge hurdle uh, for uh, for someone uh, coming from that in that doorway. Uh, the third doorway is um, it, it's also not as as large a hurdle for someone coming through that third doorway because uh, what they know of Christianity is. Uh, is maybe by movies or by TV shows or things like that. So uh, their concept of what happens at church is being formed at the very start with a with a new convert. And mm-hmm. so uh, they come to uh, come to church and they um, and and you sing the psalms and it's like great, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. uh, it, it's the second doorway that where the hurdle seems to be the the largest or. Mm-hmm. For the singing of psalms, and and that's um, largely because of the uh, of the background, or largely because of what their experience has already been in, in a church. And so, anytime there's a change, anytime there's something different, it's, uh, it can be uh, sometimes either um, misunderstood or sometimes um, uh, under uh, not appreciated, or it becomes uh, become somewhat troubling, and 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 as you know, I, the um, music is really powerful, and the the practice of of worship is is 
is very intimate. It's this is a this is these are things that are uh, are about meeting with God, and and so mm-hmm. the 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 practice of, of worship and and the the music of worship is is often very uh, deeply experiential and uh, deeply held and so uh, for people that come from a, a another church background that can sometimes be a little bit of a hurdle for them right interesting yeah so so you sing um do you sing the genevan tunes that's that's how we sing our psalms um of course we have hymns in our in our songbook but uh um, yeah. That's been a discussion in our churches, and um, so you sing Genevan tunes in your in your church. We have a few in in our psalter, but uh, but not very many. Okay. The uh, the I'll give a, a shameless plug here oh, for go. some of the. <laughs> you like that? That's good. <laughs> so this is a, a a small version. It's a really nice kind of leather bound. You can uh, can take a take this with you uh this is called the the uh, the book of psalms for worship and um it's uh, in the rpcna it's gone through a a variety of of revisions Uh, this would be the pew version of it Uh, it looks kind of like a like any other hymnal um right uh, but um the uh um the Genevan tunes are, are ones definitely that we uh, we acknowledge and recognize, and and uh, on occasions that uh, we will uh, sing a variety of different things. But the um, the the thought process behind the revisions of us of our Psalter have been driven uh, by a desire to uh, to make the the words especially faithful to faithful to the book of Psalms Mm -hmm. and also to make those words uh, understandable to this generation. Right. So the updating or or the using of modern English rather than Elizabethan English, uh, Shakespearean English um, has, has been part of uh, what the, what our Psalter revisions have gone through. Uh, So you, we, uh, we also, um, uh, for the for for the most part, many have have gone away from using the King James version, uh, read and and used uh, in a public or even private fashion. So we have we'll often use modern translations of, of the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and in, in keeping with that, the 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 these and the vows and and uh, other language that is part of the King James. Uh, vocabulary and uh, some of the older psalm translations uh, has been been changed to be um, uh, to use language that is uh, is a little more uh, acceptable today or, or yeah, understandable or modern, today. Yeah. Or yeah, there's been an effort to that in our church with the revisions in our uh, our psalter as well. Yeah, so we don't have these and those really. Yeah, no, they've they've made okay. revisions over the last I don't know probably ten years, and there's been um, a, lo- okay. a little effort in that in that direction, and then also to, um, I guess it was a small correction, but there's there are some psalms that we've we've moved back to more accurately reflect reflect the text as you were saying. So, so it's, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So, do you have multiple? Um, do you have any songs with multiple tunes that you sing, or or have you decided on a tune for every song? That's also one of the discussions in our church. So. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you know the the idea of the split leaf psalter? Is that so? What you guys are talking about by having multiple tunes, or or what do you mean by having multiple tunes? Yeah, like we so we just have Genevan tunes to our psalms, and and that's that's what we have. And and I know there's been discussion about adding say a secondary tune. So if you sing, you know, okay, Psalm, you know, thirty six with a secondary tune or something like that. Um, okay, I'm just curious if yeah. that's if that's something you guys have done. Yeah, uh, so it um, the, the the psalms do each have a a a, um, a tune to them. The, uh, the the shorter psalms may have um, have a couple of tunes that are are offered that uh, you could sing um, uh, as as it works out. Um, let me show you a page here. So. Um, in this Psalter, you can see that there's a, uh, uh, on one side, there's a one B that's Psalm one with a second, um, okay. a second selection. And then there's a two A, mm -hmm. uh, so A, B, C, D, uh, type of letters. Okay. Um, cool. And, uh, for longer Psalms, there is a, um, there's a sense of, of, of trying to capture either a, a portion of that that would be uh, um, a suitable portion to sing, and it's usually edited uh, or, or it's portioned out so that there would be a, a cohesive thought within the psalm itself. Right. Uh, so um, that gives some sense of, uh, as you're looking uh, looking for a psalm to sing, that uh, as I do often do, looking for a specific uh, theme or, or direction to go with a, the psalm that I can... I can choose a portion of that, um, and the the tunes are are ones that have a, a little bit of a mix as to uh, uh, what they are are aiming at. That uh, some of them are uh, 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 would be very much in line with I would say traditional hymnody or traditional mm -hmm. church music uh, that that has uh, been part of the the history of the of the Christian church. They tend to have a, a very strong melody line that, that has in mind that the uh, that the that the, the the main thing about the music is that it is to, to to lead our voices in, in singing and reflecting the text. And, uh, yeah, reflecting the text and um, but uh, with within that in the um, in the pairing of, of words to music, there can be uh, a, a lot of uh, a variety that could come out in that. So, if you're um, if you're a musician, uh, our our book of uh, Psalms for Worship has a uh, really a, a wide a variety of styles of music, um, major keys, minor keys, mm -hmm. uh, as things that are, are more uh, more recent compositions as well as. Uh, uh, Older, uh, just, uh, recognizable tunes. Mm -hmm. right. um, it also has uh, a little bit of uh, uh, of different ethnicities that are uh, are reflected in in the psalm tunes as well. Right. right. Yeah. So you mentioned these these three groups a couple times: uh, reformed believers looking for a faithful reformed church, um, the uh, evangelicals who kind of come from 
Um, yeah, Christians who come from more evangelical church, backgrounds, church yeah. and then and then uh, the nuns, basically the people who who have very little to no knowledge of Jesus. And so it seems to be the Psalms are are not an issue for the Reformed believers, not really an issue for the nuns because the whole thing is just new to them, and they kind of just accept it as part of church. But the, but the people coming from the more uh, how should I put this lively perhaps traditions uh, it seem to it seems to be a bit of a hurdle for them. So is it more of a uh, a lyrical thing? Is there not enough Jesus explicit Jesus lyrics in the Psalms? I mean, they they, they obviously reflect Christ, but they don't actually talk about Jesus specifically. Um, it, like, is that the issue there, or is it more still of a tune thing that you're finding? Yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, uh, not only do we uh, sing just the Psalms, but we also sing a cappella. So that okay. hmm. uh, that is another distinction that uh, we have as uh, RPCNA. So, uh, in fact, that's um, one of the first things that. Uh, uh, that someone would notice is that we mm-hmm. we don't have any musical instruments, and we uh, the congregation sings and and uh, participates in the in the in the praise that is is being offered up. Um, um, so the and just that that mu- musical style is something that is either uh, not understood well or uh, it, it is very different uh, from a praise band type of. Uh, of uh, approach and uh, um, worship wars is a term that has often been used to describe um, what kind of music is uh, is being uh, shared in worship and um, is that a term that uh, that you're familiar with yeah, yeah we've heard that. familiar but it's not something that we see i don't think in our in our context as much like i would say there's you know how many denominations do we have? We don't we don't have as many denominations say say competing, um, whereas I'm guessing um, there's there's several in the in uh, you know definitely in the mm-hmm. Bible Belt where it's you know, mm-hmm. yeah. even even I would be familiar with a few of the denominations there when you know here you know I'd probably be familiar with just as many so it's it's less of a question of uh, at least in our Reformed churches in, in this area and we're in Southern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so much a, a worship war, although there is a bit of that. I'd like maybe with the harvest churches, you see a bit more of a, an open style there with some some different song choices and whatnot. So that that's of interest to to some people in our churches. So they they go in that direction. But I think uh, for the most part, people are are in reformed churches for steady, faithful reform preaching. And there's a lot of discussion now about how do we improve our our song selection and. And whether or not to to keep our traditional approach of putting the psalms uh, on uh, yeah on a pedestal almost like the psalms are of primary importance because they're you know they're very much scripture I, I, I've called Some them gospel. God's playlist in a, in a past episode and um, and then you kind of have the hymns which is just you know there's a certain criteria to select those and they're often very much based on scripture and, and faithful to the text so we have currently 150 psalms to the Genevan tunes and then we have 85 hymns. So there's discussion about um, removing that cap of 85 and making it 150-150. So that's that's kind of our impetus for this whole episode. So hmm. I'm curious for the reason in, in your federation, um, why do you guys uh, make the choice to, to sing a cappella? And then also, uh, why only exclus- exclusively psalms? Yeah, so the, the 
the, the first answer to that, um, it, I'll give a maybe an experiential answer to that and then a, a theological answer to that. And so one reason we sing the Psalms is that we love God's word and we, uh, we love the opportunity to, to take the praise that, that God has given to us and to, and to use that and to, to recognize that in these words we have, um, we have, we have, uh, Christ declared, we have, uh, uh, we have redemption promised. We, we have, uh, really the, the, the entirety of the Christian life uh, lived out in, in the life of Christ. We have uh, our Christian life been, been uh, pictured and uh, uh, we're given words to, to, to follow after Christ and to express uh, not just the, the heights of praise, but to also express the, the depths of lament, mm-hmm. the, confusion of, of why the wicked are prospering yeah. uh, the yeah. agony of remaining sin in our lives uh, there's this this whole uh, anatomy of the soul uh, that is yeah. contained in the song whole range and, of emotion yeah 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 and and quite frankly uh, that's uh, that's one of the things that uh, that that I see as as being beneficial for the the use of the psalms, and not just in church planting, but just in the, in the in the mission of the church, um, uh, we 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 live in a in a, in a really messed up world, and there are people that are uh, are longing for uh, for something that's real, something that that saves, and uh, not just Kind of placates or or calms the emotions or 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 heightens hypes, hypes up the emotions, but but something that expresses this this is this is my life. This is uh, this is what where I where I live, yeah. mm-hmm. and God meets me there, and, and in worship and and in the songs, there's that that opportunity to uh, to speak to God about these things that are are. Are so uh, so much ingrained in in our experience and in our lives, and and uh, I think that's one of those those uh, uh, of tasting the feast that is is part of worship. And so the, the Psalms really uh, lay out a banquet uh, for you to enjoy and worship, um, and. Uh, so experientially, the the Psalms, in a sense, uh, argue for themselves to be sung because of uh, just the scope of what they cover, the the the, the, the beauty of our uh, of our Redeemer that is spoken of there, and um, and it uh, it gives you a really an opportunity to um, to to get to know Jesus in a. a through those psalms, uh, um, not just in reading a biography uh, about his life, but by by singing the psalms he sang, by uh, by connecting with the uh, with the emotions of our Redeemer that come through in the psalms. Mm-hmm. These are what he sang as he went through about his ministry. Say, uh, they're the words of the cross. Um, 
the book of Hebrews just oozes the Psalms and applies them to Christ. Um, so, uh, so that would be my, uh, my kind of opening uh, argument is to say that the Psalms argue for themselves. So, yeah, totally. And, and uh, just, just love to, uh, uh, to to dive into them and appreciate the depth of, of meaning that are, is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shoot, I wish we had so more. Yeah. yeah. I wish we had more time. Honestly, we should have done a ninety minutes. <laughs> that's too bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's good. I mean, the Psalms are very rich indeed, and, and we're certainly not yeah. looking to to get rid of them or throw them away or anything. It's just we thought it'd be interesting to talk to you and to see your experience with yeah. them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Yeah, it was really well put. Yeah, sure. So that was informative. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for for joining us and and, and blessings sure. on all your work down there in Oklahoma. And yeah, yeah. Maybe one day we can do this in person. Who knows? <laughs> that would be neat. Yeah. yeah, I would like that. That would be very nice. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting uh, to come uh, visit the Bible Belt. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what that I've never uh, been like so, there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, road trip. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. For sure. Like your travels travels bring you down here to Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, so uh, be very glad to have you come. And uh, yep. sorry, I got uh, long-winded on some of those things. No, uh, that's not, not a problem at all. It's... Passionate about this. It was really, <laughs> really well put. Yep. Um, yeah. I hope that people uh, kind of got a glimpse into uh, what is it, the RCNA. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day. All right. So. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, Pastor yeah. now. Thank you so much. Enjoy your evening. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. If you'd like to send us some feedback, you can email us at reformedrealtalk.com at gmail.com. If you want to find us online, go to realtalkpodcast.ca. If you're looking for us on social media like Facebook or Instagram, or if you want to find us in your favorite podcast app, just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come up. Uh, We look forward to your feedback as that is what helps us grow and improve as podcasters, podcast hosts. This show, Real Talk, is produced by myself, Lucas Holtfleur, and Tyler Vanderwood. Photo and video credits go to Tim Van Woodenberg from Timeless Photography. Theme music was produced by Calvin Hutton. Thanks for watching. We hope you enjoyed and that you were informed and inspired. And please keep having real conversations. Till next time. Bye bye.